0: Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast. Making Theology Central. Good evening, everyone. It is Monday, May the 2nd, 2022. It is currently 8.36 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from Abilene, Texas. Now, if you were listening on Sunday, or if you have listened to our Sunday School lesson on demand, wherever you may get our podcast, if you if you listen to it, you know that we've been working on the book of Jude. And on Sunday, we were back in the book of Jude, and we really focused on, I think, a very important concept. We, we, we dealt a lot with how people abuse the doctrine of grace, but we also made reference to another significant concept, uh, concept. I guess you could say there was a number of very important concepts we talked about during Sunday school yesterday at Victory Baptist Church, okay, and the book of Jude. And I'm going to take one of those concepts, really bring it back to our attention tonight, and then we're going to expand a little bit on it because I think I think it's something that every Christian needs to really, really think about and really consider because I've seen so many issues with this very important concept within the world of Christianity over the last four or five years. You can tell me whether you agree or disagree in just a minute. But let's go to the book of Jude. Let's go to the book of Jude, all right? The book of Jude, verse 3. The book of Jude, verse 3. Here we go. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation... It was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you, plead with you, beg you, that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Jude is writing believers, and he is, in a sense, pleading with them, beseeching them, begging them that they need to contend and an earnestly contend, an agonizing struggle. They need to contend for the faith. They need to be involved in a struggle about defending, proclaiming, defining what the true faith is. And the reason they needed to do this, the reason they needed to be involved in this agonizing struggle is because certain men had crept in unawares, who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness. He's like, I need you to be involved in this struggle. I need you to to commit yourself to it. And yes, it's going to be agonizing. Yes, at times it may be frustrating. At times it may be discouraging. At times it may be depressing. But we have to contend for the faith because people have crept in. That is destroying denying redefining what the faith is but here and i and i tried to get everyone who was present on sunday to really think about this and i asked a lot i asked a lot of questions but there is an inherent danger in contending for the faith there is an inherent danger to your spiritual life when you begin to engage in an agonizing struggle for the faith And the inherent spiritual danger is this, you may be defending the faith, you may be defending the faith with the right doctrine, you may be defending the faith with the right theology, you may be defending the faith with the right apologetic, you may be defending the faith and you are on the side of truth, but here is the inherent danger, you can be defending the faith with the right truth, the right doctrine, with the right theology, but you can be doing so in a completely ungodly and unchristian way as far as your attitude is your actions and the way you conduct yourself you're contending for the faith and so on one hand you feel like i'm doing the right thing i'm contending for the faith but without even noticing it that you can start basically acting in a very fleshly way you just start seeing people as enemies to be defeated You may start calling them names. You may become a condescending, sarcastic jerk. You may become filled with pride and arrogance. You still may have the right doctrine. You still may have the right theology. You still may have the best hermeneutic. You may have all the right answers, but the inherent spiritual danger is, while you're supposedly, you you know, you may actually have the right answers and the right theology, you are just an unloving, hateful, just ungodly person and your attitude and the way you conduct yourself. Again, you just see the people on the other side. You almost forget their humanity and you just see them as someone to be defeated, someone to be destroyed. You you almost forget the person and you just want to win the debate. You just want to win the argument. You forget that there is a person on the other side and we forget this. And so there's a couple of scriptures that I think have to go with Jude. So Jude, I want you to see this. Jude three, you need to earnestly contend for the faith. But I think it's very important that back in verse two, back in verse two, when, the, when when the greeting is being written, before we get to the purpose of the letter, and the purpose is, hey, to get you ready to contend for the faith, but there's this blessing in verse two. Mercy, peace, and love. These individuals needed mercy peace and love, because when you're contending for the faith, you need to always do so from a position of mercy, a position of peace with a, a clear amount of love. If you are contending and there is no mercy, there's not a a, a peaceful spirit about you. It doesn't mean that you compromise, but there's, there's this sense of, there's a peace, there's a calm in the way you go about it. There's a mercy there's a peace and there's a love. If that is not present, even though you may have the right doctrine, even though you may have the right theology, you basically are, you've fallen into a spiritual, like you, you may be winning all of the arguments, but you've fallen into a spiritual pit because in a sense, you are sinning. You are defending the truth with the right doctrine, but you are sinning in the way that you're defending the truth. And that's something that sometimes we don't think about, especially when we're young, We're just like, no, I've got the truth. I've got the right interpretation. I've got the right doctrine. I've got the right theology. Yeah. And every time you open your mouth, you sin because you do so in an ungodly way. Do you contend for the faith in an ungodly way? Do you contend with others about truth, about doctrine, about a Christian worldview, but you do so in the most ungodly, unchristlike way possible. There's no mercy, there's no peace, there's no love. Well let, let's add a couple of more scriptures to this. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 4. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 4. Go to Ephesians chapter 4. Consider these words Ephesians chapter 4 verse 29. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. But that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. When you're engaging in the contending for the faith, does co- corrupt communication come out of your mouth? And corrupt communication is more than just, just cuss words. You may not use cuss words, but do you speak in a way that you're not edifying? You're not building anyone up. You're not actually ministering grace to anyone. You just come across as a fleshly jerk who's arrogant, who who can out debate and argue everyone. Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. Do you grieve the Holy Spirit of God in the way you contend for the faith? Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And you're contending for the faith, you end up with bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking and malice. Does this describe the way you contend for the faith? Be kind one to another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Now I know some people will immediately push back, and you're like, you're just wanting to compromise, and you're you're afraid of conflict. No. You can stand, at times you must be blunt. Yes, at times there can be a rebuke. There are times there has to be a reproof. There's times there has to be correction. But you still have to maintain a Christ-like, godly attitude in so doing. Now, a lot of people say, but, but, and I did this a lot when I was a young Christian, but Jesus walked into the temple with a whip and drove everyone out. Yes, I do understand that. But clearly, he could do so in a God-honoring, without sin, he could do it in that way. The question is, can you? The problem is, we always try to perceive that our actions and our attitudes are right, typically because we justify our actions by the correctness of our theology, in other words, if my theology is correct and I've got the right theology, well, then my actions have to be right. But that's not true. You can have the right doctrine and the right theology, but your actions and attitude and your method may be completely fleshly and ungodly. We also we, we should know this passage. I mean, it's still in my Bible. I made the joke on Sunday that maybe maybe it's no longer in most people's Bibles, but it's still in mine. Matthew chapter 5, you probably know this one. You have heard that it has been said, thou shall love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you that you may be the children of your father, which is in heaven. For he maketh, maketh his son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love them which love you, what reward have ye? Do not even the publicans the same? If you salute your brethren, only what do ye more than others? Do not even the publicans... Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. Now, of course, the Sermon on the Mount is giving us God's holy standard, which we all fall short. So in reality, the Sermon on the Mount is law, which is to drive us to Christ. But it still gives us a standard which we are to pursue, right? It's the standard which we are to to constantly judge ourselves. When you're contending for the faith, do you show love for your enemies? They may be absolute enemies, philologically, doctrinally, morally, whatever, whatever uh, way you want to look at it, they may be completely your enemy. And you may be, you may be standing on the side of morality, on truth, of decency, of godliness. But if you're acting like an unregenerate jerk that I'm sorry, you lose first rarely are you going to help the person you're supposedly contending for the faith because now you don't see them as someone you want to help you see someone you want to destroy we, we talked about this in depth on sunday but but i i want to do something here that maybe you'll understand maybe maybe some people will like what i'm about to do some people may think it's ridiculous some people may be shocked about what from what they're about to hear but here's what i want to do i'm going to play an audio clip now, I'm going to play an audio clip from someone who I obviously disagree with pretty much anything and everything they say. I think they've been very damaging and hurtful to the body of Christ, yet many Christians have for some reason bought into many of their claims. He has made all kinds of conspiratorial claims. He's, hes I mean, he's a conspiracy theorist, and he says outrageous and crazy things So many would say, well, he doesn't represent Christianity. I understand that. He claims at times that he does. He speaks as a Christian at times. But what I want to do is I want to play this clip not so much because I'm trying to make a statement about the individual who's speaking or the program from which this clip is taken. If If you get caught up in the name or the program, then you're missing the point. I just want to use this clip because here's an individual who's going to be talking about Jesus and God and, and praise Jesus and thank you. And then you're going to hear, in a sense, him contend for what he believes to be the truth and listen to how he contends. Listen, because to, now, again, I'm not making any judgment about this person What I want to do is just take it and just say, here's the example. Oh, it's an extreme one. It's an exaggerated, hyperbolic, insane example. But sometimes being slapped in the face with something that's extreme or hyperbolic may make us stop and go, okay, I'm not that bad, but man, I can act the fool sometimes. I can act it. How many times have you contended? And to be honest with you, all of your, all, all your doctrine may have been right, but you really were the one who acted in an ungodly fleshly way. I I don't know about you. All I can say is, oh, me, because I've done it way too many times. All right, so I want, So here's what we're going to do. We're going to listen to a clip from the Alex Jones Show. This is, I believe, the Alex Jones Show that aired on Friday. Now, here's my I have been listening to Alex Jones for literally ever, okay? I mean, it feels like forever. Now, obviously, you know he's based here in Texas, in Austin, Texas, about, what, three, three and a half hours from where I'm currently sitting. He's been well-known in the state of Texas forever. He started off on, like, a public access channel and Alex Jones has i mean anything that happens, any mass shooting, any tragedy it's it's a false flag it's not real. There were crisis actors, and of course he got in serious serious serious, serious trouble and uh, because he called the Sandy Hook shooting basically fake and that it was crisis actors and and now he's he's been sued and there's all kinds of legal battles going and there's there's a there's a, a a great chance that he could basically be bankrupted completely and could be the end of his program because the parents of the children who were killed in Sandy Hook well they're suing him for all of the damages they had to deal with with his crazy followers harassing the family, saying your kid did not really die in a, a shooting. It's absolutely horrendous. It's horrible. It's horrible. It's evil. He it caused a lot of pain to a lot of people. Um, and so now he's having to face it. And there's times recently because, because the court case, it keeps going back and forth. And, and I, I listen to all, the depositions uh, and the trial—I've listened to hours of it and just crazy stuff. It, it's just—it's just nuts. Everything that's going on with with uh, Alex Jones and Infowars—it's just—it's just nuts. I don't agree with Alex Jones. I disagree with so much of what he says. But since I've been following him and listening to him for so long, I started seeing a trend. Years and years and years. I mean, you're going back to like 2010, 2009, 2011. I kept turning on microphones, telling everyone, "Look." this guy is starting to be influential in in some circles of Christianity. And what I started finding is anytime I would offer any criticism, I was getting all kinds of emails from Christians like, you know, he's a Christian, how dare you? He sees the truth, you're blind. And I'm like, what is happening? And then I would notice that Alex Jones was telling people to use his movies or DVDs or his stuff in Sunday school or share it with your small group. And I'm like, who would be using Alex Jones stuff in a church. It's like, what is happening? But so I gave my warning, gave my warning, gave my warning, and people pretty much ignored me, ignored me, ignored me, but that's okay. Next thing you know, he's saying Sandy Hook didn't happen. Next thing you know, he's making all kinds of crazy claims. Next thing you know, he's getting deplatformed from every platform on the earth, whether you agree or disagree with that, that's a whole different podcast. But he's been he's been influential. There's just no way to get around it. He's been influential. He's very he was very influential to Donald Trump, who was on who came on the Alex Jones program. Right. So so uh, he was he was very Alex Jones has been very influential. You can say his influence, his influence has greatly lessened today, where the big person now is Tucker Carlson, who's kind of since taken that that kind of conservative maybe at times, conspiratorial kind of mindset. And again, whether you agree or disagree, that's just kind of the way things have happened. But I still listen to Alex Jones. And basically what I do is usually right as I'm going to bed, I'll listen to the first hour. I'll start the first hour and just kind of get a basic idea of what Alex Jones is screaming or going crazy about just so that I kind of keep up with what's going on in the conspiratorial world. Where I just have an idea. Okay, here's 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 the conspiracies that everyone is concerned with today. All right. Well, on Friday, I was listening. I think it had to be around well, it was probably, it was probably Saturday morning. It was probably around 1 a.m. I don't know. It was late. And I was listening. I'm like, what is happening here? Because he goes on to this thing, you know, I thank God. And then it just the temperature changes changes dramatically. And so I was thinking, this is the perfect example of what I'm going to be talking about on Sunday in Jude. We need to contend for the faith, but we've got to ensure we contend in the right way. Now, what he's about to do here is so over the top that you're going to have a hard time even believing it. But I think it serves as an example of what we all have to be on the lookout for. Do I contend in a Christ-honoring Christ-like way, or do I end up showing no love? I'm filled with malice and hate and bitterness and anger and wrath. Do I contend in a way where I strip the person I'm contending with of their humanity, and I just see them as an enemy to be destroyed? Well, let's listen to what Alex did on Friday. I believe this was in hour one, about seven minutes into, I think, his His program is usually three to four hours. Uh, So this is hour one of of either hour one of three hours or hour one of four hours. Here we go. We're going to jump right into the middle of it. Here we go.
1: But they are, and we know they are, and that's why they've got a big problem because myself and G. Edward Griffin and Ron Paul and so many others before us we're exposing it and you were exposing it. And you know who you are out there. Some of you are 70, 80, 90 years old, been calling the show twenty-five years, and you've been fighting in the trenches forever. And the only reason we got a shot to beat these people is that God inspired you to find the truth. And I want to tell you from the bottom of my heart, from my family and my children, that I salute you. We are unbreakable when we stand with God and ask God to fill ourselves with His Spirit. And I pray for God to pour out his spirit of strength and focus and clarity and discernment and honor and creativity and life. And we praise God, eternal Father of the universe, and thank you for the sacrifice of your Son, Jesus Christ. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you for the consciousness you've given us. Thank you for the will. Thank you for everything you've done. This news is over the top. I mean, I am surprised at how open they are. Pedophilia is good, they say. World government's good. Destroying everyone's good. Depopulating's good. Alzheimer's is good. Cell phone radiation is good. GMO is good. The deadly shots are good. We are being murdered. Murdered. And if we lay down to this, we deserve what we get. But I, on the record, am saying to Klaus Schwab and Bill Gates of the New World Order that you are not superior to me. I and my listeners and people who love God are superior to you. And just because we're superior, we're not going to take your free will and we're not going to put you in a camp and we're not going to kill you. And we are not going to let you do the same thing to us. Is that understood, little man? You, you will pay for what you've done. And I pray that God send angels to visit vengeance upon you. But none of us will harm a hair on your filthy, murderous heads. But God will crush you. Crush you. You will be destroyed, not us. (sighs) Breaks you! God breaks Bill Gates! You understand that? You will be visited by the Spirit of God. You will be visited by the angel. The same angel that visited Pharaoh. You are not the angel of death. God descends the angel of death. And he sends the angel of death with wrath. You will never suppress us. You will never stop us. You will never take our birthright. <sighs> now that I've said that to Satan and his minions, let us move to the news.
0: Yes. Someone just asked, what am I listening to? This is frightening. Yes. Laying in bed at one o'clock in the morning, I was like, what is happening? It goes from Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, the Creator of the universe, and the sacrifice for His Son. Now He says it in a very angry way. He he's very angry. He's very upset. Now I can tell you why I think there's so much anger going on because He was trying to file bankruptcy, and the judge has stopped it because uh, the Sandy Hook parents think that it's a way for him to get out, having to pay the consequences for uh, the the punishment and uh, the trial, which there, he's, he's gonna, they're going to end up going to lose a lot of money, and he's trying. to protect some money, and I think some rulings had not gone in his way, so there was already a lot of anger in the program, but it's like, thank you, Jesus, thank you, God, but there's even anger in that, right, okay, and then, but then he's like, you know, you are not better than us, we are better than you, whoa, what, where, okay, wait, 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 so we go, we're thinking God, we're thinking Jesus, and then it just turns into this, like, utter just, like, almost demonic, like you're going to be destroyed and God's going to send his angel of death. And it's like, now he's literally calling for people to be killed and to be destroyed. Bill Gates and other human beings to be, and almost doing so with a sense of, of joy, a sense of gladness. It's 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 frightening. It's crazy. It's insane. Now again, we could get we could focus right there on Alex. We could focus on Alex Jones. He's crazy. He's losing it. A lot of people think he's he's unraveling little by little with all of the stress, with all the trials and everything going on. Okay, his livelihood is at stake. His his program's at stake. Okay, there's a lot of emotions. Swirling around within him right now, and we definitely need to pray, you know, for him because man, there, there's some there's some serious issues going on there. But we could just focus on that. But I don't want to. I just want to use that right now to focus on me, to focus on you, and how we contend. You see, he he's contending. They say pedophile uh, pedophilia is good. He starts contending with all of these issues. You know, one world government, or or you know, COVID vaccines, and they're killing us, and all of the things that he he was contending. But there is the contending. It's brief. He mentions all of these things that he's contending with, and then the next thing you know, he contends, and it's like he wants his enemies killed. He wants his enemies destroyed, and he's and he's using God and. Christianity as basically the weapon that's going to be used to destroy the enemies. It's like he doesn't want them saved. He doesn't want them redeemed. He wants them destroyed. Now, I've heard things similar to this, not anywhere to that level, but I've heard again. I can talk about American Family Radio. I talk about it all the time, but you listen. You know they have a they, uh, today's issues. They have a program, and sometimes when those men—it's it's, it's like three or four older men—when they talk about today's issues, man, they'll start mocking Joe Biden, mo- mocking the vice president. They mock. They're they're fleshly. They're just they're just it's just so arrogant and condescending. There's nothing godly about it. There's nothing Christian about it. I could hear that same mocking, condemning, making fun of attitude by listening to secular conservative talk radio. That's not how Christians are to respond. Yes, we have to contend for the truth. Yes, we must stand for the truth, but we cannot do so in a fleshly, ungodly way that's out of control with anger and hatefulness and just arrogance and judgmental. We, we, we've got to conduct ourselves in a godly way. And as we move forward in 2022 and we get closer and closer to the, to the midterm elections, more and more Christians are going to get involved in, in wanting to fight the world but they're going to do so in the most unchristlike like way possible. That's what we have to consider. First, we have to look in the mirror. I can look back at my Christian life. Man, I've contended for the faith over and over and over and over and over in my Christian life. I've contended for truth. I've contended, But you know what I've done time and time again? I've contended in ways that were not glorifying to God. I know you can be like, oh, he's horrible. I, I am, train wreck, dumpster fire, whatever you want to refer to me as. I'll be the first to acknowledge it. But let me. You need to look to yourself. How have you contended? How have you argued for truth and for for the way of God and the Word of God? How have you conducted yourself? And one of the one of the major. One of the major downsides of social media is that many Christians wanted to use social media to to proclaim the truth, to be a witness, to talk about the things of God, to, to maybe contend for the faith. But what they did is, here's this wonderful tool, but we started using the tool and acting the exact same way the world acts and the way we act our attitudes, and 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 so much about it. We just, in a sense, mimic the way the world acts. And we, when you're trying to take a stand for truth, but you're doing so in a fleshly way, then you're sinning. Your contending becomes your sinning. I want you to just wrap your mind around that. Your contending can become your sinning. And when our contending becomes our sinning, then we rarely help anyone. We only hurt those we're trying to contend with. So I just wanted you to hear that because I don't, it freaked me out, but it freaked me out because like, yeah, I hope I've never sounded exactly like that, but I guarantee you there's that some of those attitude that the same attitude has been inside of me. Maybe I was able to dress it up a little bit better, but anger, and you you've heard me you've heard me speak about charismatic theology i can get that angry when i speak about charismatic theology you know what i've always tried to do is say, I want charismatic theology destroyed. I want charismatic theology wiped from the face of the earth. Hopefully, I've never in any way, shape, or form said anything where I implied that I want charismatics destroyed and I want the angel of death to visit charismatic preachers. No, I hope I've never come close to saying anything like that. I hate the theology. I want the people to have their eyes open and to find the truth so that they can be delivered from that false theology. But there's probably been times in my Christian life where I've gotten upset and angry. Look, I've said it before. The the two men who I worked with in the United States military who claimed to be apostles, because that's the the kind of church they went to. They were apostles, claimed they had power to heal and all this stuff. We worked in the medical world. They never healed anybody. But they claimed this nonsense. Um, And a woman I worked with, my desk was right here. Her desk was literally right next to mine. She's diagnosed with terminal cancer. Clearly, I mean, uh, from a medical perspective, she's going to die. They come walking into the office, and as soon as they came walking into the office, there was like an anger that began to rise in me. And I was like, no, 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 no. And they walk over. They start talking to her, telling her that God had told them that she was going to be healed and that she can na- claim that healing right now because God has delivered her, God had healed her, and the cancer will go away. She's crying and then and, and then when and you know, they pray everyone's all happy. They're hugging one another. They leave. And I'm just standing there looking at her. And she's like, can you believe this? God has healed me. Can you? And I'm just, I'm just, I'm trying not to say anything. I'm trying not. And I'm just, I'm burning with utter, complete rage. Like there's, you don't even, I wanted to go running down the hallway and just literally attack the people who would say this nonsense. Well, they told her that. Less than six months, she was dead. Now she went home and told her kids, She went home and told her husband that God had told some people to tell her that she had been healed, that God had healed her. Six months later, she was dead. Now, the two individuals didn't ever, they didn't show up at the funeral. They didn't apologize to anybody. Of course not. They're liars. Now, when I speak about that, now, just because I just heard what Alex Jones did, say, I'm trying to be calmer. See, Alex Jones is serving as a as like, whoa, don't sound like him. Because typically right now, my voice would start raising, and I would, I would start doing a little bit of what Alex Jones just did. But after just hearing Alex Jones, it was like a slap on my face going, how many times have you acted like that? Now, even if I didn't sound just like that, that same ang- that anger that was coming out of him there, that's in me when I start talking, when I tell that story or countless other horrible stories where charismatics charismatic theology has completely just done horrible damage to people now i hate the theology i feel like i can place my anger and my hatred at the theology that's a that's a, a belief system that that's, that's a concept that's a philosophical system that's a hermeneutic of how to interpret the bible that that that's just the concept when it comes to the people Yes I may be angry at the people and yes the people need to be corrected yes the people need to be rebuked but the goal is not to simply defeat the people the goal is wanting to see those people delivered from their false doctrine you want to you want to see them change but sometimes it's easy to forget the people strip them of their humanity simply now attack only see don't see the person see their belief system and then want them both destroyed We must contend for the faith, but we have to do so in a godly way. So I'll end with this. All right? Let's go back through this one more time. Back to Jude. When you contend for the faith, there should be mercy, peace, and love in your contending. That's Jude verse 2. Mercy unto you and peace and love be multiplied. That's the blessing that Jude uh, gives to the people he's writing to before he gives them what they're... What their purpose is, what what they're called to do, which is to contend, but they must do so with mercy, peace, and love. I think that's a very important way to look at that. And then Ephesians four gives us another challenge here. Ephesians four: Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. Let no now I had to stop the audio there because at any second, if you've ever listened to Alex Jones, he can go from one minute. Saying praise Jesus, Jesus delivered me, Jesus, Jesus, and God and salvation and the sacrifice of Jesus to dropping every known cuss word that you've ever heard. Okay, literally, I mean it, it's insane how it can go from one thing to the next, sometimes within seconds. But, but just the, the, the just once again, it's a reminder to me. I may not use cuss words. And I can still let corrupt communication proceed out of my mouth because it's corrupt when it is no longer edifying and when it's no longer ministering grace. Are you edifying? Look, when you are contending... If, if no one's being built up, if no one's being ministered to, and all you're doing, sometimes you just got to know this is just an argument. All we're doing is arguing. In other words, no one's being ministered to. No one's being edified. No one's being built up because no one's actually listening. We're just arguing, arguing. Sometimes you just got to stop there. The arguing is not accomplishing anything. You got to know when it's just your, your contending has disintegrated into something where now corrupt communication is happening. No one's being ministered to. No one's being edified. Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit and how you are contending. Let all bitter make sure your contending is free of bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking, and malice. If your if you're contending has those things, well it's it's not good. And be and in, but in your contending there should be kindness, there should be tender heartedness, there should be forgiveness. Doesn't mean you compromise. Doesn't mean you compromise. No compromise. No, in any way, shape, or form. It doesn't mean you avoid uh, rebuke. Doesn't mean you uh, avoid correction. Just means that in your contending, there's there's a way to. And, and we didn't even go to Matthew five. Love your enemy. Love your enemy. Turn the other cheek. Those are those are concepts that must be present in your contending. And then you can, and, and, and I hate to say it, I'll end with this, but not a, pe- a lot of people are going to like this. A lot of Christians really loved the way Donald Trump contended with people either at his rallies or on Twitter. Christians ate that, many Christians ate that stuff up. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, no, it's not. That's not. He's doing so in a fleshly way. We're not to do that. And so you'll see Christians on social media talking about liberals, calling them snowflakes, or they'll use these little names and just attack and attack and attack. And and they think that somehow they're being godly when they're not. And Alex Jones was just an example. He professes Christianity. He thanked God for the sacrifice of his son, Jesus Christ. I'm not, I'm not, it's not, it's not me to question the sincerity of his faith. I can question his actions right there. Went from praising Jesus to this absolutely frightening, basically calling for death of human beings. Now, some people say, well, they're imprecatory psalms. Uh, David, we we always want to find some way to justify our actions. Whatever David did or didn't do, the psalms records his words, right? We could get into a whole discussion about that. I just know this, that whatever I do, I've got to make sure that I'm doing so in a God-honoring, God-glorifying way. And there's constant scripture telling me to love my enemy, turn the other cheek, put away anger and wrath. I just know that whatever you want to do with how certain Psalms read, you've got to make sure you balance that out with what the New Testament says, and you've got to be very careful because you can find, think you have, sometimes we look for scriptural justification to simply provide a cover for our anger and our hate, hatred and our fleshly ungodliness and the way we deal with contending for the faith and deal with conflict. Our contending cannot become our sinning. There you go. You can email me, newsif at yahoo.com. That's newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. Yeah, that's, that's an absolutely crazy audio clip. I hope you heard it. If you didn't, back it up and listen to it again. I almost want to play it one more time, but go listen to it one more time for yourself because, yeah, as someone said in the chat, what am I listening to? This is frightening. Yes, it is frightening. There's just no other way to describe it. All right, I'll stop there. Thanks for listening, everyone. Have a great night. God bless.